This is Radio Influence, podcasting redefined. Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, T.J. Reed. Well, we are back and we are ready to chop it up and talk some more about those underdogs, the teams that nobody's really paying a lot of attention to or at least not giving enough significance, those that are being doubted, that we're unsure about. We love those here when it comes to college and pro football as part of Three Dog Thursday. Back for another week, I am your somewhat capable host. He is senior handicapper and writer, VegasInsider.com. Here is Kevin Rogers back for another week with me how are things sir as we are rapidly ending the month of september the first full month really of football how you doing doing well doing well just uh trying to get our bearings straight as conference play uh you know a lot of conference play starts up this weekend some teams have played a few games already within the conference in college football and in the nfl trying to figure out everything like how john gruden's getting 100 million guaranteed he hasn't won a game yet. <laughs> more on that a little bit later on as the raiders are zero and three and the honeymoon is officially over there i think with the oakland slash las vegas raiders um so uh, we should make mention that last week kevin won for three with louisiana tech nice call hanging in there with lsu and covering the 21 number i had the saints and I thought the Saints would have a great chance to win the game. They did win in overtime. What a fabulous game from Drew Brees yet again. An amazing start to the season with all of his yards and all of his uh, passing accomplishments and touchdowns and broke the all-time completion record in the game with the Falcons last week. So we'll talk some pro football later on in the show with Kevin. Speaking of pro football, we will also uh, have Scott Hansen here from the NFL Network and, more importantly, the Red Zone channel. There are two of them. Uh, actually, Scott does the NFL Red Zone that is for the cable providers and online. Andrew Siciliano is obviously from the NFL Network, the host of the Red Zone channel on DirecTV. It's so popular, it's so good, it has two different channels on different networks, watching all of the football on Sunday with all the games and the action. So Scott Hansen will be with us here in a little bit uh, to talk some about the NFL start to the season and the crazy job that he has. Uh, Kevin, I'm going to talk to him about this. Last week, there were 10 early NFL games to keep up with all at once. That is not an easy task with a lot of eyeballs on a channel and a task like this. So Scott and I will be discussing that in a little bit. And then Kevin uh, will obviously come back with me and we'll make some pro football picks uh, for this week. I want to talk with you. I, I have bitterness. You know a lot of times I come into this show and I'm upbeat. You've been with me now. This is the fourth season. Would you generally say I'm an upbeat guy? On this show, I come in positive. I come in happy. Would you say that? You would agree with that? You, you do seem that way, yeah. I am very chipper. Uh, I am bitter right now, if you can't tell. And it's still like four days later that I am bitter after the Oregon-Stanford game. I had the Ducks uh, getting points at home for Three Dog Thursday purposes. They're in complete command of the game. We've seen it before where a team starts to falter. You turn the ball over. The other team's getting confidence. But, Kevin, to go back to the end of that game, Oregon has the game won for all intents and purposes. They get the key first down with Stanford having only one timeout remaining. Oregon leads by three. 
all you have to do is kneel on the ball. You kneel on the ball three times, and the game is basically over. Stanford would have been able to stop the clock once with about a minute and a half left. You would have had to punt with somewhere around like 18, 19 seconds left. But after the punt, the best that Stanford was going to hope for, unless there's a block punt, was to go something like 60 or 70 yards to get into field goal range in the final 10, 12 seconds of play. Why in the world did they try to run the ball on second down and fumble it away and let Stanford come down and tie the game with a field goal and beat them in in overtime? I just, for Mario Cristobal, who we're familiar with, I don't understand the clock management. Kevin, help me out here. There's nothing more to say. I mean, I think that you almost do quarterback keepers there instead of just kneeling on it and just let him try to run up the middle and fall down. And simple as that, so you don't lose yardage. And if Stanford is to burn a timeout, then you let him burn the timeout and you still have the ball. And it just didn't make a lot of sense that Oregon, even though they let that game slip away during regulation, they still could have won it. But yet, uh, yeah, it's a terrible loss. It really is. I mean, it's a great win for Stanford on the flip side. They're now 2-0 and in the Pac-12. But, you know, there is no excuse. And you know what the thing is? We fall football for so many years. And I say to myself, how do coaches screw up the clock management right. so much? Why is that such a problem when we watch the game and we can watch at home and be like, what are you doing? Like, why do you, you know, don't you see what to do to do thing, make things a little simpler? I feel like they, they just make things so difficult. And you know what happens? Then they end up losing games. They lose jobs and all that. Like, why? Because if you just change this one play call, see, it's not about playing the result necessarily. You know, people want to say, well, you're playing the result because if you were to run the ball and held on to it, they would have won the game. But that wasn't the right call, though. That wasn't what you should have done. Right. And and a lot of times they don't realize I still had a timeout left or I had to challenge here. It wasn't just up to the officials to review it. I remember Bill O'Brien got into that uh, with the uh, the Patriots opening game with the Texans where there was a big completion at the end of the first half to Gronkowski that the replay clearly showed outside of the two minute warning. The replay clearly showed he didn't hang on to the ball. And they ended up not throwing the challenge flag. New England ran to the line with TV showing a replay, ran a play, and then they couldn't challenge. And New England ended up getting points. I think they got a field goal, but they could have gotten a touchdown. And so he's getting questioned out of, after the game. And again, that's a more of a hurry-up one. But game management, clock management, I don't understand it. And Mario Cristobal's been a head coach before at Florida International down in South Florida where you are. He's been with Nick Saban a few years before being at Oregon to understand clock and situations and timeouts and what to do. And all they had to do was kneel on it. Yes, Stanford could stop it once, but you could kneel on it the other two times and basically kill the rest of the clock. They didn't do it. They end up losing. I'm befuddled. I I found it fascinating, Kevin, that Sean McVay, who's having such great success as the young coach of the Rams, he made mention he's got a game management coach up in the press box whose sole job is to watch the clock, know the situation, know the score, when to go for two, and that's the only guy he's listening to. And that guy clicks over on the headset and says, hey, Sean, time out here, or clicks over and says, hey, kneel on the ball here, or clock it here, or whatever. That guy is sole job is to keep up with clock management, and maybe more coaches, Kevin, what do you think, should go to that. 
That sounds like a job for me. I mean, what am I doing here? I don't know why I'm here. I, I want to get that job. Can we get you an interview with a team where you can be the clock management guy on the headset and just help them out? Yes, we have a timeout left. Yes, you need to call timeout so that we can look at the replay because Gronkowski didn't catch that 40-yard pass. That ball is touching the ground. We need to challenge this. So... Uh, yeah. Well, that's, well, well yeah. let me tell you what I would do. It's it's like the uh, it's like the guy that's up in the booth that that is in charge of the video, like the challenge. You have that in baseball too. Somebody's upstairs where it's like you see right. it, you just start throwing stuff out of the press box to like, get their attention. <laughs> like why is all this stuff thrown? Like that's what it is. Stop the play. Stop the play. Yes. Throw the debris. Throw whatever you have to throw. Do something. Go go commandeer the play clock if you have to in the other room from the coaching booth so that they can't run the play. Whatever you have to do. Use the game management on that. So they, that one befuddled me there uh, with the Oregon game. All right, so let's get into the games this week and what we like and why. We each are going to have two college underdogs. Speaking of Stanford, they've got the large game with Notre Dame. Do either either one of us go there? Find out right now as we get into some college underdog picks. Where do you want to begin, Kevin Rogers? I'm going to start with Northwestern against Michigan. And I know that... You know, this line looks a little inflated, and you say, like, wow, you know, Northwestern getting two touchdowns at home. I'm going to buy into it for a couple reasons. And Michigan, I understand that they're they're bullies, that, that they've struggled against Ohio State, they've struggled against Penn State, they've struggled against Michigan State over the years, and Illinois, Illinois and, and Rutgers, you know, and Purdue, and, and in the last week, Nebraska. It seems like that, that they, they steamroll in the conference. I get that. But I see in this situation, you have Northwestern coming off two home losses to Duke and losing to Akron, where they were up 21-3 on Akron, and they ended up uh, giving up a couple defensive touchdowns in the fourth quarter, and they lost that game. I think that here as a home dog, off those two home losses, that they bounced back here. We saw what Michigan did last week. Mm. I mean, totally unloading the barrel against Nebraska. And such a dominating performance that now I think it's asking a lot, even for them to be laying two touchdowns on the road. Northwestern is in a good spot that if they, this is not a must win for them. If they lose, they're still one and one in the conference because they beat Purdue in the opener. But if they win here, now they're two and zero in the conference. So I think that for Northwestern, that this is a good spot for them. For Michigan, obviously, if they lose, they're one and one in the conference as well. But I just think for the Wildcats that after suffering such a tough loss to Akron, I think that they can come back here and even cover against Michigan. And as you mentioned, they flattened the Huskers last week at home. This is traveling on the road. Michigan had the loss earlier this year to Notre Dame. Haven't played a great team since then, really even an adequate team since then. And uh, Northwestern's running back Jeremy Larkin is questionable with an injury in this game too. So again, you'll take the 14 points in the Big Ten matchup coming up. I've got a Big Ten underdog coming up in a in a in a bit. I want to start with a Big Twelve underdog. I know last week you you believed in K State, Kansas State as a road dog against Will Greer and West Virginia. The Mountaineers ended up putting it on Kansas State. Now they will travel uh, in this instance to Lubbock, Texas. This is an early game on. Saturday and for three dog Thursday purposes here the uh 
the game 11 a.m. Lubbock time. So an early start to get ready to roll. They'll be frothing, I think. Maybe they'll just stay up all night in Lubbock. And Alan Bowman, the quarterback of Texas Tech, how about they're averaging 625 yards of offense? Cliff Kingsbury's team. Alan Bowman is the trigger man. And, Kevin, that was a great win last week, blowing out Oklahoma State in Stillwater. I know West Virginia is good, uh, but I, I think in this spot here as the road favorite, I think Texas Tech may very well upset them. I think Greer could struggle. Uh, in this game, uh, Dana Holgerson obviously has familiarity with the conference because he's a former coordinator at Oklahoma State. He's now been the West Virginia coach for going on like eight or nine years. So he knows about Lubbock, Texas. But Kingsbury and that offense and the explosiveness, they've beaten Houston badly. They beat Oklahoma State badly. I'll take Texas Tech plus the three in what is a very interesting Big 12. I mean, Oklahoma struggling last week with Army. How good is Texas? West Virginia may may find a landmine in this game. Big 12 kind of wide open. Quick thought there, Kevin, on the Big 12? Yeah, and uh, it is. And you saw Oklahoma even struggled with Army last week, and obviously a non-conference game. But, uh, yeah, you would think that the scoreboard operator would be very busy in this game with West Virginia and Texas Tech. Probably when it's all said and done, it'll be like a 17-10 game, but, but chances are not. It'll probably be in the 30s or 40s. Yes, so uh, get ready for, for your track shoes. For yeah, 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 and I think I would not be surprised yeah. if both of these teams have 35, 40 points, something like that. Um, again, Texas Tech's not going to play a lot of defense, although they did play some last week. And Bowman had nearly 400 yards, two touchdowns passing. They were great in the win over Stillwater, and Oklahoma State is reeling uh, at the moment. We'll get back to a couple of underdogs in a second. Whether we're talking about Lubbock, Texas, whether we're talking about Evanston, Illinois, where Northwestern's playing Michigan, or all over college football, Happy Valley for that Penn State game, uh, South Bend and Notre Dame Stadium. If you are looking for tickets to an upcoming college football game or the NFL, we would love for you to take part with Vivid Seats and VividSeats.com and their mobile app. Vivid Seats offers great prices and an easy purchasing experience. And with football back in full swing, you can go to VividSeats.com right now or download uh, the app, Vivid Seats, and enter that promo code 3DOG that we've been telling you about. And you can take advantage of a 10% discount with our promo code. Again, across college football, even the NFL, whether you're talking about Foxborough, or the L.A. Coliseum, whether you're talking about Seattle or Tampa Bay or the Cowboys or the Bears in the middle, Vivid Seats has got tickets to all of these great games and all of the orders are confirmed and backed by a 100% guarantee. So cheer on your underdogs as we preach on on Three Dog Thursday with Vivid Seats. And remember that promo code, Three Dog, the number three in DOG. Three Dog at checkout. Take an additional 10% off of your first-time order with Vivid Seats and vividseats.com so one underdog in the books for each one of us uh where do you want to go next you went big 10 for underdog number one kevin rogers where do you want to go next we'll go out west the pac-12 and uh, there's several actually uh, home underdogs this week in the pac-12 but uh, the one i'll focus on here uh the california golden bears taking on oregon we talked about earlier and, you know, you would think that the Ducks would just come back and they would hammer Cal this week. And I don't really think that's the case. I, I really don't. Cal is a very underrated team that I think that they're making some moves up the Pac-12. Yeah, they're not on Washington's level yet. They're not on Stanford's level. But uh, this is a team that, that's much improved. This is a team that's 3-0 and so far this season. Picked up a nice win over BYU on the road. And... 
I look at Cal, at least last year, this is a team that went 4-0 ATS at home in Pac-12 play. Meanwhile, for Oregon, they were 0-4 on the road last year in the Pac-12. And yes, different coaches, different personnel, you know, it's hard to really have a lot of historical stats in college football anymore because of all the changes. But I just look at Oregon, and, and just this, it's a devastating loss to Stanford last yep. week. Yep. That not only just losing the game, but who you lost to, you know, one of the teams competing for the Pac-12 championship year in and year out, to have them basically buried, and you still kept them in the game and lost in overtime. And now you got to go on the road to, uh, to Berkeley to play this game on Saturday night. I think that Cal, you know, should be fired up for this one, that they had an extra week off in between. So they really can prepare for this game, and Oregon's now got to pick up the pieces. They get Washington after this in two weeks after their bye, and you know that's obviously a huge game for them. I just think it's going to be a letdown for Oregon. I really believe that, and that Cal should be pretty fired up for this game and beat Oregon. All right, so you will take the three points with the Cal Bears, a little Pac-12 after dark. That's what happened last week as well at Outson Stadium. You made mention of this, and you're bringing my bitterness back out of me again here that Oregon is down around the goal line leading 24-7, to putting on a great show, and they fumbled the shotgun snap. Justin Hubbard, the, uh, Herbert, the quarterback, fumbles the shotgun snap, and Stanford picks it up and runs it a long way back. They tackle the guy. They go ahead and get a touchdown. It's a 14-point swing. Stanford back in the game. Then the clock management disaster allows Stanford for the chance to kick the field goal. You wonder if there is a hangover effect for the Ducks on the road in the Pac-12. We will find out. Marquee game coming at Happy Valley with Penn State and Ohio State. One of the biggest games in the Big Ten regular season is this matchup. They'll have the whiteout going uh, for the Nittany Lions. Everybody in white. 105,000 strong. Urban Meyer, of course, is back coaching for Ohio State. They won the easy cream puff game with Tulane last week. Haskins, the quarterback, very Kevin Rogers-like throwing the ball. 16 touchdowns, one interception. But with the exception of, of playing against TCU, who has Ohio State really played? I mean, Rutgers, Oregon State, uh, this matchup last week with Tulane, who's not very good. So Ohio State, the road team, Penn State, Trace McSorley, Heisman Trophy candidate as well. Uh, they have looked good. They destroyed Pitt a couple of weeks ago. They they seem to be rounding into form. They struggled for a little while in the Illinois game, Kevin, last Friday night. They were actually losing in the first half. They went on to score 35 points in the fourth quarter and cover a 30-plus point spread by scoring 35 fourth-quarter points and blowing out Illinois. So Penn State at home. Uh, each of the last three seasons, the game has been decided by less than seven points, seven or less. I like Penn State here to pull. It's top 10 teams playing. I like Penn State to win this game. I will take the three points at home with the Nittany Lions. Do you have any thought here? I mean, Ohio State fan is, is pointing to this game. They need this one on the road. Any thought here about this matchup? I mean, obviously a tough game to handicap just because, you know, you see the talent that Ohio State has and, and what they can do offensively. And you mentioned Penn State, just that crazy comeback, or at least crazy fourth quarter against yeah. Illinois. and. I mean, the only issue I have with Penn State is, you know, Illinois we know is is one of the directs of the Big Ten, but still, you know, they hung with Penn State and even Appalachian State, who's, who's a nice yep. team out of the Sun Belt. You know, they had Penn State beat, so it's kind of like which team is, are they playing down to competition or what? They really haven't been tested yet this year, but 
I'm staying away from the game. It's a very tough game, and, and, you know, we'll see if Penn State can win. So, basically, if Penn State wins, that means Urban Meyer loses. Ah, yeah, very true. Stanford again against Notre Dame. Neither one of us have an underdog there for Stanford uh, in that matchup. Quarterback change for Notre Dame last week, although they played very well. We'll see how the Irish end up doing in that matchup. Hey, a couple of uh, interesting nuggets here from the, from the uh, prominent programs. Clemson quarterback Kelly Bryant, who has been the starter a year ago, when they made the college football playoff. He started a couple of games this season, including the Texas A&M game. They've now announced that they're going with the other quarterback, and he has decided, Bryant, that he is going to transfer. You look at that situation, you look at the Alabama situation where they've devastated everybody. They killed Texas A&M themselves last week. They've clobbered Louisville. They've clobbered Arkansas State. They clobbered Ole Miss. But they have the two-headed quarterback situation there with Tua Tonga-Valoa from Hawaii and also Jalen Hurts. And there's rumors that Jalen Hurts wants out and may end up redshirting and transferring. What do you make of these two prominent programs where don't if you're the former quarterback like Bryant or Hurts, don't you want to stick around in the event that there's an injury or ineffective play? Does it surprise you that Kelly Bryant has up and, and decided to transfer from Clemson? I mean, it does. And also, you know, this isn't professional sports where you can just go somewhere else and play immediately. You know, look, trade me and let me go somewhere else. Like, you still have to sit out a year. You know, is that worth right. it to sit out a year and then play again in two years? And I, I just I just don't think it's worth right. it to do now, that. In Brian's case, let me interject. In Brian's case, he is a graduate right now, so he could el- allegedly, okay. after this season, play immediately next year somewhere else if he wanted to, if I understand that correctly. But I know your point, because in Jalen Hurts' case, let's say he does transfer, unless he gets a special waiver, he's sitting out 2019. That's your point. Yeah. And, and and really, you know, it, it comes down to, and I get guys have different motivations that winning a championship probably isn't that big of a deal, you know, to be there, just to be plugged in as a quarterback at Alabama or Clemson, but to go somewhere else and then try to be the guy and you still have to learn a new system. It's just a lot. It really is. And, you know, this isn't professional sports where you can just like go somewhere else and be fine. I think there's a lot more factors there in college. Yes, there are. And again, uh, you know, Dabo Sweeney had an interesting line when he was interviewed uh, about this transfer situation. You'll love this, Kevin. He said to the uh, to the media, it's not middle school. We got to, you know, we got to we got to make sure we're doing everything that we can to win games. And this is the best decision for us moving forward. And Kelly Bryant doesn't agree with that. The quarterback who led them to some serious success last season. ACC title was brilliant in the ACC title win over Miami. They were beaten badly by Alabama in the Sugar Bowl, yes. But he played great in the Texas A&M win at College Station, too. So uh, it's very interesting that Clemson will go through the rest of the schedule without him, apparently, if this all holds up. All right, so there's some college football. Kevin, stand by. We'll come back to you later to talk some NFL football. Scott Hansen of the NFL Network and the Red Zone Channel is coming up straight ahead as well. It is Three Dog Thursday. We're here each and every week. Whether you found us through Radio Influence, iTunes, Stitcher, subscribe to the show, rate and rank the show. It'll come directly to your device as we rock on with more in underdog picks coming up. Stay with us. Dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is TJ Reeves. Well, I've been looking forward to getting the chance to talk with this guy. I actually got the opportunity to hear him speak. 
uh, earlier this year, give his personal Christian testimony and talk a lot about the red zone. And I said, I have to, have to, have to catch up with Scott Hansen on the Three Dog Thursday podcast to talk some underdogs and to talk some NFL and to talk some red zone. How are you, my friend? Good to have DJ. you. Oh, I'm doing well, man. Good to hear your voice, and uh, glad we can make this happen. Good to be with you during the middle of what's been an exciting first month of the NFL. Well, you said it. I don't know where to begin. Uh, let, let's begin. You used to be in this market. I'm in the Tampa-St. Oh, yeah. Pete market, and you used to be around the Buccaneers. And look, we talked when you were here about five, six weeks you know, ago and before the season started, what was going to happen to the Buccaneers the first three games against the Saints, against the Eagles, against the Steelers. Lo and behold, Fitzmagic has taken over the area. The area uh, You were working the red zone for the first two games against the Saints and against the Eagles. I couldn't see you because I was working. You were off sure. camera a lot. Was your mouth open like mine was on the sideline watching Ryan Fitzpatrick operate, sir? Absolutely, and it was it was fantastic to watch, quite quite frankly, because of my local ties to the Tampa Bay area. Uh, you know, back in the day with, heck, uh, Jay Crawford who went on to ESPN, Sage Steele that went on to ESPN, myself, we were all in the same sports department over at uh, ABC Twenty Eight as it was known back then, uh, and and covering the Dungy Buccaneers, even the game that wasn't on Red Zone for the Bucks, the Monday Nighter, obviously, I got nostalgic watching Tony Dungy go into the Ring of Honor there because it was all the guys that that we covered back when we were young reporters and seeing this franchise completely change from the you know the creamsicle laughingstock Tampa Bay yucks to the world champions that they eventually became uh, with Tony Dungy built them up and then John Gruden finished off the job there. But in terms of the first couple of weeks, it was absolutely uh, stunning. What I thought back to was, remember the old quarterback uh, Trent Green? Mm-hmm. Pro Bowl quarter, quarterback back in the day uh, for the Chiefs and the Dolphins and, and uh, played for the Rams before Kurt Warner came onto the scene there as well. He told me once, right after he had retired, he was like, Scott, I finally, in my mid-30s, I figured out where to go with the football. But my arm couldn't get it there anymore, and I was out of the NFL. <laughs> and I remember thinking, wow, that is so profound. Well, I think what we've seen is Ryan Fitzpatrick, a guy who's in his mid-30s, who has figured out where to go with the football and how to get it there, and his arm can still do it. And when you have that, pardon the terrible pun, magical concoction, you can see results like you're seeing, but it is it is special. I mean, no one look at no one has had a three in terms of passing yep. yards. Yep. The only quarterback in the history of the NFL who has had a better three week start to any season in the history of the NFL was a guy named Tom Brady, and Brady did it seven years ago. I mean, you talk about Drew Brees, Brett Favre, Peyton Manning, name any quarterback you want. They have never had a three week start to a season in terms of passing yards as Fitzpatrick and the Buccaneers have had. That is special. It is. We, we believe that Fitzpatrick will be the quarterback against the Bears. That'll be part of the red zone coverage that Scott Hansen will be hosting coming up. I'll be there doing radio. I, I promise I only have a few moments with you. We're going to talk about other things besides uh, Buccaneers. But a- another thing that you know, Deshaun Jackson being added to this, Mike Evans, fantastic. They've got tight ends that can catch the, bu- the, the ball. The Bucks are loaded with weapons, and they are fun to watch. Whether you're, whether you're talking red zone highlights, fantasy, football they've got weapons when we covered each and every 
acquisition of these. And I'm saying you locally and me nationally. And I say acquisition because some of it was through the draft, O.J. Howard and Mike Evans. And some of it was through uh, alternative means with Deshaun Jackson coming into the fold. We said this is exactly what you hope for. You have size. You have speed. You have hands. You have mismatches at positions where you want to create those mismatches. What we didn't know is would there be a trigger man who could distribute the football and test a defense mm. on any down and distance and test a defense short, intermediate, and long distance. And Ryan Fitzpatrick's been able to do that. And look, at we here at NFL Network think it would be a shock if, if, if it's not Fitzpatrick against the Bears. Certainly that, that news will probably leak out well before Sunday game day. Um, but it's a special thing, man. This, this, team is, this team is a threat to go for 35 points every time they step on the field. It is a lot of fun. All right, so just what we thought. The Miami Dolphins are 3-0. and uh, <laughs> I mean, Patrick Mahomes, who had not started an NFL regular season game until this year, lights the league up through three games. How fun have those two stories been? Because they've kind of come out of nowhere. Well, the Mahomes thing is is that's unprecedented. I just gave you the, you know, the Fitzpatrick uh, historical precedence. Mahomes is doing something no one has ever done. Not even Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or Drew Brees with the 13 touchdown passes through three weeks uh, of a season. And people said people said that that through practice. You figure, through an NFL practice, can you really find out that much? Well, the Kansas City Chiefs and Andy Reid found out enough that they said they would, they would let a, a solid starting quarterback in Alex Smith, still in, in the good years of his career, Who led walk them out the door. to the playoffs right? last exactly. year. Right, exactly. Right? You never see a departure of a quarterback without a huge contract dispute or something uh, uh, you know, in that circumstance. And yet they saw enough in practice to say, we're giving the kid the keys to the franchise. Now, I still think he might have one of those, oh man, he thinks his arm is better than what it actually is, as incredible as it is, and oh, he ends up with three interceptions type game, but he hasn't come close to doing that yet. In fact, he's sitting at zero interceptions as as you and I talk. And then the Miami Dolphins thing, Mm. man, is that something? (laughs) No one, no one puts any respect on Ryan Tannehill's name as a starting quarterback. I know some Dolphin fans who think that they don't have a franchise quarterback. You know all Ryan Tannehill has done? And I know he's been injured. He hasn't been on the field all the time and been available. But in his last 11 starts, his last 11 starts, Ryan Tannehill, 10 wins. Sign me up for that any day of the week. I think most anybody would sign us up. A few more moments with Scott Hansen, NFL Network. I I love picking his brain. Also, the red zone on Sunday. Okay, so I got the rare opportunity last week from the jump to sit and watch you because I'm usually working. You had 10 early games. Yeah, it was insane. 10. What is that like sitting in that room trying to keep up with 10 games and where do we go next and how do we, can we put five on the screen at the same time? How does that work real quick? Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. 10 games in the early window is about, in the early part of the season is about as difficult as it gets for us because week 17, all 32 teams play on Sunday and they all play on red zone. They, They don't have a Sunday night game unless they flex it out for right. like a division championship type game. So 
but but in the back half of the season, week 17, we already have most of the teams eliminated from playoff contention, so we don't have to necessarily focus on those. Well, week three, we had 10 games going on at the same time, 20 NFL teams that even some of the 0-2 teams, you still got to respect them and say, hey, they could turn this thing around right now, as evidenced by the Buffalo Bills, you know, as evidenced by, by some of the other teams that we saw that pulled off uh, shocking upset wins. So it's crazy. It's like um, – it's like Tetris, basically. Remember the old game Tetris that you played you know, on your phone or in the handheld Nintendo thing? The pieces are falling from the sky, and in this analogy, the pieces are touchdowns or big plays. And it's like, guys, we've got to find a place for that. We've got to show that to our audience. It already happened. We've got to get it to them. It's, and, and you only have so many seconds before that piece collapses down at the bottom, and you want to keep yourself a nice, big, flat base to keep that uh, viewing experience rocking and rolling. So you've got to juggle things and manipulate things and move them around. For those who have haven't ever watched NFL Red Zone, I would encourage you. It's still early in the year. Sign up for it yep. with your local television provider and come and watch seven hours of commercial free football, every touchdown from every game, all the big plays, all the fantastic finishes uh, over the course of a whole NFL Sunday. It is a thrill ride. Okay, some fun ones. Now, everybody always asks you about how often or when you go to the bathroom. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Eating. Okay. Eating. How often yeah. do you eat in seven hours? Do you eat like a little bit before and not till after, a little bit in the middle? You got to eat something because everybody that's watching you is eating all day, and I feel bad for you. Yes, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, answer is this. Huge breakfast Okay. about three hours before the show. Define about three huge. Hours before Define the show. huge. What's on it? Uh, well, well, well just a dense protein-based. Uh, right. uh, so I got egg whites, big pile of scrambled egg yep. whites, yep. a turkey burger yep. patty, no yep. bun, avoid yep. the carbs there, mm-hmm. crispy bacon with the salt for the extra water retention so that I don't have to yep. answer the call when, yep. when nature yep. comes calling, uh, a side of Kalamata olive. I just like the taste of them, and they're super salty as well, which helps me retain water. A little mixed fruit to get my vitamin C, and then I might have a little bit of a diet soda for a little caffeine pop and maybe a little bit of water, but not too much liquid because we try never to leave the studio That's right. uh, over the course of seven hours. So it's okay. a big, big you, breakfast, and, and, and then during the show, during the nothing. show, yeah. I, during the show, uh, maybe a banana, and that's only to avoid cramping up. Give me the <laughs> potassium to avoid cramping okay. up because I have no water in my body. I understand. And I'm, I'm, I'm literally like one of these NFL players on a 98-degree uh, Tampa Bay uh, afternoon uh, with trying not to try not to cramp up. It's, it's a crazy thing. Okay, and, and I love this with Scott Hansen. Another moment or two here, Three Dog Thursday podcast, NFL Red Zone, NFL Network, Total Access. You see him on the weeknights. Are you standing some of the time? Do you stand most of the time while we can't see you and we see the games? Are you sitting some, standing some? What's the ratio? Yeah, so you see me at the beginning of the show standing up behind the desk. Believe it or not, over the course of the seven hours, I'm only behind that desk for... 10, 20 minutes maybe. Okay. The rest of the time I come and I stand in front of a, a wall of monitors that have all <laughs> 10 games, you know, every game and then our program and the scoreboard and everything else. And I am standing there and I rock back and forth and I do it completely subconsciously, but I'm standing most of the time and I rock back and forth. Think if you, if you go back, if there's any baseball fans in your audience, the old Atlanta Braves pitching coach, um, I think his name was Leo, Leo Mazzoni. Mazzoni. Yep, Leo Mazzoni. Uh, or Mazzoni or Mazzoni. 
who used to rock back and forth sitting yeah, in the dugout you. and he used to have that nervous tick. <laughs> I guess I have that, but I do it when I'm standing up. I rock back and forth. I have all this kinetic energy as I'm trying to absorb 10 games of action and then trying to disseminate it to all of you guys in a digestible fashion. Uh, I, I am I'm sure I'm imbalanced in some way. Oh, we're all imbalanced. Another minute. <laughs> uh, how many people work on the show? 5, 27, 93? How many people are About helping you? 30, give or take 30 people wow. uh, contribute to the show wow. on any given Sunday, and, and uh, I'm thrilled to be the, the face man for it, but okay. we've got the best crew in sports television for my book. I love it. How many shirts do you go through? Two? One? <laughs> one shirt? One, one shirt. One, one shirt. shirt during the whole day? Yep. One shirt. That's amazing. I, I'm not a sweater. I'm not I a sweater. Am. The makeup girls come in about once an hour <laughs> to, to uh, touch up my makeup, and they're like, Scott, you're holding up so well. And I'm yes. like, well, thank you. Get, you some know, more it's, salted, it's get some more salted olives for him. Get him going. <laughs> okay, we got all these 1 o'clock games, Eastern time, all the early games, yes, Cincinnati, sir. Atlanta, Houston, Indy, Miami, New England. Watch it on the red zone. Late games uh, later in the day as well uh, with Seattle and Arizona, Cleveland and Oakland. NFL Red Zone and Scott Plug when you're on the NFL Network on Total Access for later on in the week as well, sir. Yeah, NFL Total Access airs every day. Usually it's at 7 o'clock Eastern with a repeat at 10 o'clock Eastern, but check your local listings. And then we also have a two-and-a-half-hour show that we do prior to Monday Night Football. So I'd encourage you sometime, you're going to watch the Monday Night game on ESPN, but flip over to NFL Network before the game. We break down all the Sunday action and look forward to the Monday Nighter, uh, all the injury updates and everything else like that. A big capital T, capital Y, thank you for jumping on with me on Three Dog Thursday. We'll be watching. Watching on Red Zone. Thank you, Scott Hansen. TJ, anything for an old friend. Enjoy the games on Sunday. The dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is TJ Reeves. Yes, we are back in on the only digital radio show devoted exclusively to underdogs, college football, and the NFL. Thanks again to Scott Hansen of the NFL Network for hopping on with me. Get the opportunity here to bring back on Kevin Rogers, senior handicapper, VegasInsider.com. All right, we're starting to understand some things about the NFL. Um, one thing that I think everybody is up in arms about, if you've seen the Clay Matthews play against the Redskins last week where he was flagged, he was very outspoken, so was Mike McCarthy, the coach, about the roughing the passer penalty for driving guys to the ground or not. Uh, I, I worked the Monday night game on radio, Buccaneers and Steelers, where there were not one, not two, but four of these roughing the passer calls. I believe both ways, against the Steelers and against the Bucks, that three of them were unwarranted. Kevin, uh, what in the name of Lawrence Taylor, what in the name of Deacon Jones and Reggie White is going on with roughing the passer? Can we get this under control? What are your thoughts? You know, I really think that the NFL, for all the bad PR that they've had with the catch rules and with other – I'm not even talking about the kneeling stuff. I mean, just like straight up on the field where they've had some things that just – you don't know what a catch is, and that's always been kind of like the running gag the last few years. And it's like the same thing here with the roughing the passer that, you know, you're trying to protect the quarterback so much, which is good, but that's fine. But at the same time, it gets to a point where you can't even like breathe on them. Like, you can't even get close to them, and you're trying to defy physics by having these guys stop and slow down, like put on the brakes before they get to the quarterback. What are they supposed to do? I mean, I'm not going to say that they need to change the rule in season because they're not going to, but 
they got to make some kind of adjustment. Be like, come on, like they're ruining the game. Like they, that's the one thing. The NFL, you know, you could have great ratings. You have people still come back and watch, but they do some stupid things that just ruin the game with the catch and with the with, with the quarterback stuff. That I just don't know why they can't just fix it and try to make it. You know, you can still have roughing the passer penalties, but like let let's use a little bit of common sense here. Yeah, they're trying to figure it out. We figured they were going to over-officiate it at the beginning of the season, call it more often. but uh, and, and again, it's just like anything else. If it costs a team a game, a critical situation, I mean, the Bucks had a couple of drives stay alive because of the personal foul penalties that were going on on Monday night. You can affect outcomes of games with that. And look, you and I are not saying let's not be safe. You want to be safe. You want to protect the quarterback because he's the one guy that really doesn't get a fair chance to get out of the way or elude somebody when he's looking downfield and somebody is bearing down from behind to tackle them with all the force of the body. I get that. Quarterbacks rule the league. They rule the money of the league. I get that. They're the important player. But there's got to be a way where you can legislate it better than what we've seen as of, as of yet. It's almost that it went too far with the, uh, the roughing of the passer stuff. I mean, I saw Ray Lewis talking on the inside the NFL program on Showtime, uh, the NFL program there, and, and he said what, what you're now encouraging is quarterbacks are going to start flopping, Kevin, like the NBA or college basketball when they're taking a charge or getting bumped into. Quarterbacks are just going to automatically, if they realize they can get the flag this easily, they'll work it as much as they can and push it in the envelope as far as they can, they'll start flopping. They'll start laying down as soon as they're touched. And do you really want that in football? I, I don't think we do, do we? No, and I think these quarterbacks are, are a lot tougher than they, they make it out to be. You know, that they want to be back there and that they're, they're fragile lambs sitting back there, you know, hoping not to get hurt. That they're, they're a lot tougher than, you know, we make them out to be. And I hate to say it, like, you're almost making them into kickers. Like, you know... I always think like roughing the kicker and roughing the punter, like you barely touch them. It's a 15-yard penalty. It's like, come <laughs> on. You know, it feels like the same way with these guys that, yeah, you can't jack a guy in the helmet. You know, I understand that. Like, don't do that or don't push him down unnecessarily. But if you're in the motion, you have to finish the motion. Like, that's where I think the biggest problem is as opposed to, look, we've seen really silly roughing the pass or penalties where you grab a guy and just throw him to the ground like when you could have stopped. Right. I understand that. But when you're like, when you can't stop and it's like you're just finishing it, he's going to the ground. You're not hurting him, you just, but you have to find a way to stop. I agree with you. And let's see if they don't modify how it's being enforced a little bit uh, because there's a lot of anger right now on what do we do on trying to tackle the. I mean, in, K, in Clay Matthews' case, it was a sack. He was tackling him to the ground on a sack and called for unnecessary roughness, which basically nullified the sack. So I understand that point. Uh, you're in South Florida. Again, uh, we're both in the state of Florida, although people would think I'm in the state of confusion, as I like to say on Three Dog Thursday. But Mr. Rogers is in South Florida, in and around the 3 and 0 Miami Dolphins traveling to New England, where the Patriots have lost two straight. I know this is not your underdog. You've already told me which underdog you're going to go with, but there is a lot of optimism in in Miami right now. They've not beaten New England in New England in a decade uh, since the beginning of Barack Obama's presidency. How about that? In 2008, so uh, now I mean, there, there's a lot of hope, though, right now with the way the Dolphins have played. There is, uh, is it fair to say they're a surprising 3-0 real quick, Kevin? Well, do you remember the game that that 
was the last time they won up there. What is the what is the uh, the last win? Which one is it? Is it the that was the Wildcat game with Ronnie Brown as quarterback, right? Putting it on him. It was the Ronnie Brown game, and by the way, that was also a game that Tom Brady didn't play because he had torn his ACL two weeks before. How about that? And the Dolphins were zero and two going in there, and they went nuts and destroyed the Patriots. So really, it's been a long time since they've beaten the Patriots in Foxborough with with Tom Brady as quarterback. But you know, when you look at it. Again, I don't. I, I don't apologize. I don't think any team should apologize on the pro level for who they beat. All right, they beat the Titans, who were a playoff team last year. They beat the Jets, who were coming off that blowout of Detroit on the road, and they had to come back to beat the Raiders. And yeah, Oakland's zero and three, but you know, still you're three and zero. And you know, you look at the Patriots; they got clobbered by the Lions last week on uh, on national TV. So, you know, I, I'm not going to say that oh, the Patriots have lost to the Steelers and the Packers. Like, they lost to the Lions last week, and they couldn't score against Jacksonville. I know Jacksonville's in the AFC Championship, so I'll give them credit there. And they held off a Houston team that's 0-3. But, you know, what have the Patriots really done? Now, I'm not advocating at all saying, oh, the Dolphins are going to go in there and win, because I, I feel like this is the week they're going to get blown out probably by the Patriots. But just in the bigger point of what they've done at 3-0, and I think what's worked is they got rid of the dead weight for the guys that didn't want to be there. You know, the Landry's, the Sue's, the mm. Pounceys, those guys don't want to be there. So you bring in new blood, and I think it's worked out. Sometimes it is addition by subtraction. And again, for New England, I mean, in watching that Sunday night game, and look, Brady's a Hall of Famer. Belichick's arguably the greatest coach ever for the 18-year run that they've had in New England. You look at their front seven on defense, Kevin, when they did the introductions the other night in Detroit, and I'm a, I am I work in the NFL, I'm an NFL fan, but I am looking at that going, who, who, who? And at some point, you have to concede you have to have some talented name players to be able to win in pro football. You can't just overcome with with free agents and uh, undrafted players that you've coached up. You got to have. I I don't know how good they can be defensively with the crew that they have uh, right now. And Miami may have something for them. We'll see. New England favored by seven. You and I aren't touching the game with the Dolphins for Three Dog Thursday, but that one is interesting. Three and O Kansas City traveling to Denver. That is the Monday night game. My Buccaneers will be in Chicago. Battle of two and one Bucks, two and one Bears. Jameis Winston back off of suspension so there there is some intrigue around the nfl with some of these different games and and what might or might not happen with some of the unbeaten teams we'll find out all right so what do you like for an underdog from pro football for three dog thursday purposes kevin i'm gonna go with the cincinnati Bengals. they are getting five five and a half against the falcons coming up on sunday now falcons as you mentioned earlier lost in overtime to the saints in a wild game last week so it's the third straight home game now for Atlanta. The Bengals are coming off their first loss at Carolina. I actually like Carolina last week, so that one worked out. But when you look at the Falcons, I know this this is kind of a you know a you know a quirky trend, but the Falcons have failed to cover in six straight games against AFC opponents in the regular season. It's seven if you include the Super Bowl against the Patriots. So basically this is a team that's had their problems against the AFC, and in fact, I'll take you to another level, their last four home games against AFC opponents, they've lost outright to the Dolphins wow. and Bills last year, wow. and two years ago to the Chiefs and Chargers. So they've had their issues against AFC teams at home. Does it make a difference? Is it coincidence? Whatever you want to call it, it it's happened. Now the Bengals, they came back to beat the Colts the opening week. 
They ended up uh, jumping out to that big lead against the Ravens on the Thursday night before holding them off, and last week losing to Carolina. But I just think that Cincinnati goes in there. I don't see why they couldn't beat Atlanta. I mean, forget about the points and hanging with them. I don't see why they couldn't beat them. Falcons secondary decimated by injuries as well. Robert Alford is already out. They lost Keanu Neal, uh, a Pro Bowl safety to an injured knee. I mean, they've got they've got injuries galore in their secondary. They've got Matt Ryan. How about the stat from last week in that score fest that New Orleans won forty three to thirty seven in overtime? Matt Ryan throws for five hundred yards and four or more touchdowns in the game, and they lose. There have only been two times in history that a quarterback has thrown for five hundred or more yards, four touchdowns or more in a game, and lost. Eli Manning a couple of years ago, Matt Ryan Sunday, and Drew Brees and the Saints beat them both times. That's an amazing stat on how much the ball was in the air last week in Atlanta and the Saints able to get the win. And and if the Bengals pulled the upset here, the Atlanta Falcons would be 1-3 and three already on the season if Cincinnati finds a way to defeat them in that matchup. What a great stat on the AFC teams winning outright the last couple of years in Atlanta. I'm going to go back to a team that, uh, that I went to a couple of weeks ago. So in back-to-back weeks, I have gone with the New York Giants and also with the New Orleans Saints as part of Three Dog Thursday. Actually, I went with the Giants in uh, in week number one. Went with the Saints last week, so I'm familiar with both of these teams. The Giants off a very impressive win at Houston. They were 0-2, but they ran it well with Saquon Barkley. Eli Manning looked good. Their defense looked good. The Saints, a second consecutive road game. I saw something earlier this week where teams that are on the road for a second straight week, their winning percentage in the second game is something like 32%. It is very, like 7 out of 10 times they lose the second straight road game. Uh, it, it's not going to be easy for New Orleans. I don't think their defense, I, I know having seen it at field level, Kevin, week one, their defense in particular, their secondary is suspect. Atlanta lit them up last week. Calvin Ridley ate their lunch for three touchdown catches last week. Odell Beckham is ready to go. Sterling Shepard ready to go. Barkley running the ball. I like the G-men as a home underdog. I'm going to stick with the home dog theme. I've got Texas Tech, Penn State, and now the Giants all as home underdogs. Give me those three points. I believe it's three. It is for that matchup. It's actually three and a half with the New Orleans Saints. So I'll go G-men. Even though Breeze has been tremendous, I just don't trust New Orleans' defense in this game um, with the Giants coming up. Um, all right, so again, some uh, some intrigue from some of these different games. Uh, Baltimore and Pittsburgh playing in the Sunday night game. Uh, we also have Baker Mayfield making his first NFL start at Gruden and the Raiders. Kevin, I know we don't have an opinion on the Browns being an underdog that we're going to take, but what about that real quick? Mayfield, can he energize Cleveland? He, he certainly did off the bench in the Thursday night win over the Jets. What about this matchup in Oakland? You think he's going to light it up again? Well, he certainly did energize them, and it was fun to see because the Browns were just were, looked dead with, with Tyrod Taylor and their quarterback, and Mayfield really got them back in it, and they obviously won. You know what? We talked about John Gruden earlier that not to say, you know, you, you got to get this one because they're pretty much, it feels like they're done, but you win this one, you're one in three. I know that the Chiefs are kind of running away with the division now, but you got to get this. I mean, if you're the Raiders, you're Gruden. I mean, you look so bad after this first three weeks, the Khalil Mack situation. 
and blowing four quarter leads the last two weeks, you got to get this one. You really have to. And if they don't, and they're zero and four, boy, you talk about the honeymoon being over right now. Oh, I mean, they're not going to fire him. And again, I have a relationship with Gruden, having done his radio show for five years in Tampa Bay. Still has a home in Tampa. I've been in frequent contact with him. I knew he had the itch to come back and coach. But if they are zero and four, there are a lot of people that are going to. They're not going to fire him after one year. That is not going to happen. But there are a lot of people that are going to be saying the Raiders made a mistake with a coach that maybe the game passed by while he sat in the in the broadcast booth for nine years. I'm not saying they're right, but if they lose to Cleveland at home to go zero and four, boy, oh boy, Oakland and the Black Hole better rise to the occasion. Uh, for Sunday in this matchup. All right, so again, we've got our underdogs. I'll go over those again here in just a moment. First, I want to let Kevin have the opportunity to tell you more about what's going on, not just with the college and pro football, but everything at VegasInsider.com, sir. Yeah, a lot going on. We have the Major League Baseball postseason starting up next week, so that will be underway. The NBA starts in a few weeks as well, the NHL. So we have a lot going on besides the football, and then, of course, the NFL college football is well underway we have all of our conference reports for college football for the nfl our thursday night our sunday night our monday night our sunday pieces our uh live odds everything you can check out to help you win for football and for the other sports you can check it out all the time anytime you want at vegasinsider.com and also on our twitter at twitbi Yes, fantastic. I didn't even I didn't even mention my stat uh, again. Follow Kevin at Vi Rogers as well. Follow Vegas Insider at Twit Vi. Follow Kevin at Vi Rogers. How about the Buffalo win? We haven't talked about that win over Minnesota that blew up all of the suicide pools, the uh, the one and done winner uh, pools everywhere. My hand is up. I had the Vikings last week at home with the Bills. Are you aware of the stat that Buffalo became the first NFL team in history since point spreads have been kept track of in the NFL to be at least a 14-point underdog and win the game by at least seven points? Never. And they blew Minnesota out in that game last week. So you just never know. You look for all the information. You look for the point spreads and the different stuff. We encourage the research. Uh, go to VegasInsider.com and do the research. But, Kevin, sometimes you just don't know. And and no one, I don't know that the Bills believed they were going to be able to beat Minnesota like that, but that's why you line up and play the games real quick, right? Well, what's more improbable, the Bills winning that game or Old Dominion beating Virginia Tech at 29 points? Oh, my, my God, yes. You're exa- at 0-3, an 0-3 Old Dominion team, a 29- or 30-point underdog, won an outright game. You just never know. You never know, especially with the Lord. And, and Army was a 33-point underdog taking Oklahoma to overtime. We love the underdogs here on Three Dog Thursday. Wish we'd have known more about Buffalo last week taking on the Minnesota Vikings, but uh, they certainly put it to them. And Minnesota obviously has the Thursday night game at the Rams. You may be listening to this later in the weekend, and you already know what did or didn't happen with the Vikings trying to respond. But Buffalo put it on them last week. Kevin, great job. Your underdogs are Northwestern, Cal, and the Cincinnati Bengals for this week. I always love spending time with you in the inside. Good luck with your underdogs, sir. All right, TJ. Have a slice of Giordano's for me. Uh, yes, we're going to go get it done uh, in Chicago with the deep dish pizza. Mike Gino's East, too. I've got Texas Tech, Penn State, and the Giants at home on Sunday with the Saints for my three underdogs. For Kevin Rogers, for Scott Hansen of the NFL Network, by the way, check out the Red Zone channel uh, as part of cable, and Scott Hansen will be on again in the chair for seven hours of nonstop football mayhem on the Red Zone. We thank him for being with us as well. We thank you for finding us again here on Three Dog Thursday through Radio Influence, through I 
iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Subscribe to the show, rank the show, promote it where people will find it, where the show comes automatically to your phone or your iPad. We always love it here as part of Three Dog Thursday. For Kevin Rogers, I'm TJ Reeves. Enjoy all the football. We're back next week for October, Locktober editions of Three Dog Thursday. Bye. This is a Landry football with Chris Landry. Quick fix on Radio Influence. Scott Frost comes in with a lot of hype and a lot of, he fits our profile. He's one of our own. I get it. Scott has one way he's learned how to coach offense, and he doesn't have the personnel to do it. And it's gonna, he's going to have to have some hellacious recruiting classes to get it to where he wants it. The job of a coach that's coming into a program is to kind of change the culture, improve the way that they practice, prepare, the discipline, the focus, the energy. All those things need to be upgraded. Because when you take over a program where a coach has been fired, there's something that was wrong, something that needs fixing. That's what he's got to do. But he also has to recruit well. One of the things that he's going to have to do, he's going to have to coach better. He's going to have to learn how to adjust better. And I don't share the opinion that everybody just says slam dunk hire. Well, it's a slam dunk hire because he's a really good coach that happens to be a Nebraska alum. I don't expect championships from Scott Frost at Nebraska. I expect them to eventually get to where Wisconsin is right now where well, they can maybe be the, the program in the West of the Big Ten. But I don't, uh, do not look for Nebraska to compete for national titles now or any time in the future. Chris Landry brings you Landry football every week on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and, of course, RadioInfluence.com.